This is A Sustainable Mind, episode 15. Trees are going to be even more necessary for us to adapt to a changing climate and be resilient. We have to make sure that we design livable, healthy cities, cities where people can thrive. Welcome to A Sustainable Mind podcast, where we delve into the minds behind today's most impactful environmental campaigns, organizations, and startups, inspiring the environmental change makers of tomorrow. I'm your host, Marjorie Alexander. Hey friend, are you an avid listener of A Sustainable Mind? Or maybe this is your first time listening. I want to know a little bit more about the environmental and sustainability topics that you want to learn more about because I want to gear future episodes to your interests. Send the word survey to the number 323-536-1120, or just visit our homepage, asustainablemind.com. Now, on to the interview. Having grown up in rural New Jersey, Cindy Blaine is no stranger to nature, or the woods, as she calls it. But she is now the executive director of California Relief and is constantly working with both people and trees, including trees in the urban forest all across the state of California. So, Cindy, welcome to the show. Thank you for inviting me. So, Cindy, I would like to know about where you come from, your involvement with environmental sustainability or nature growing up. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I come from a lot of different places because my family moved every two to four years. My dad was in construction where we would build a building and then move on. But I started in New Jersey and we lived pretty much in what you could call rural New Jersey with woods nearby. So I was from the generation in the 60s where you spent a lot of time outside. We moved to Connecticut at another point, And again, I spent a lot of time in the woods, which is as after living in California, I found that that's an expression you hear from back east. You don't talk about the woods so much in California. Yeah. And trees, because I'm in the tree business, I've had to think about this. How did I get involved with trees? But trees were always around and I was always outside. So what was kind of the light bulb moment? Not necessarily getting into California Relief, which we'll talk about in a few moments here, but just your entrance into environmental sustainability or this industry specifically. It was circuitous and semi-accidental because I ended up working for a computer company in Silicon Valley after I got out of college. And so I was in the high tech world. And then uh, I had kids and I decided it was more important to stay home with my kids and hang out with them than it was to earn a lot of money, which you needed to live in Silicon Valley. So, and through being with my kids and doing various activities, I fell into Waldorf, which talks about having your kids in nature, which talks about not having the teepee on, sustainability, being light on the earth. It was funny because I was totally oblivious for a long time. And then I was talking to a mom about not having the TV on for my kids at our nursery school. And she looked at me and she said, oh, I'll bet you're one of those families that buys organic too. <laughs> and I, I know. And I, I looked at her and I said, what? You know, I said, no, talk to me about that. And that's when I started buying organic. And so it, it was one of those snowball kind of experiences. I was just going along doing your normal middle class family type of thing. And the next thing I knew, especially since I was staying home, you know, conservation in some cases comes from not wanting to spend money. And mm -hmm. I was looking at, at not spending money because we were living in Silicon Valley where there's a lot of two income families, but we weren't. And so 
I started looking into stuff to the simple, simple lifestyle, so to speak. And that was a lot more about non-consumerism and making do with what you have and not using all this energy and spending money. And from there, the next thing I knew, I was putting in native plants in my backyard, et cetera. And so it was just uh, sort of me stumbling along, finding things. Mm-hmm. I have interviewed more parents than I thought that I would on this show, but I find it always interesting what the, those parents feel like their children have taught them about being an environmentally conscious or earth conscious individual. Is there anything that uh, introducing your children to this lifestyle and just going about the world and seeing it kind of through their eyes that you feel like that they've taught you that you wouldn't have known otherwise? I, I would say that it was more of a reintroduction to my own childhood, you know, because you, you are a child at some point and then you forget when you're doing all your stuff getting a job and trying to pay for, for the rent, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so having kids was, was the chance to say, oh, yeah, um, this is what it was all about, just hanging outside, just sitting in trees. I mean, I used to go sit in trees. And so the ability to give that chance to my kids was fantastic. And, you know, we didn't live in rural California in Silicon Valley. And so what we ended up doing is going to very – close nearby um, campgrounds because I'm not a camper. I didn't come from that kind of a background either as a kid, but we went to really, you know, the, the local county campgrounds, which was 20 minutes away so that the kids could just hang out in nature for, mm-hmm. for extended t- periods of time. Excellent. And, and so it was what my kids were teaching me was you can, you can forge this kind of a lifestyle anywhere. You just have to work at it. And having them away from the TV was, I thought, one of the best gifts I could give them. That's awesome. So when you, so you're with California Relief now, you're based in Sacramento. What was the transition? Was, did Sacramento come first and then you joined Relief or how did that transition happen for your family? After I quit working for a computer company, I stayed home for a dozen years and then it was time to go back to work because my son was heading towards college and, and I needed to earn more money earn some money. And so I was looking around and a friend of mine said, well, there's this retreat center up in the Santa Cruz mountains is looking for a marketing director. Why don't you check it out? And the retreat center had the first lead gold certified building in Santa Clara County. And it was built by nuns, actually, the sisters of the presentation. This was in 2006. And so to be the marketing director there, I was supposed to go attract nonprofits to to come have their retreats, to come have their conferences up here in the Santa Cruz Mountains. And they, the, the sisters, it was because I'd done stuff with native plants and I knew about environmental issues and things like that, they hired me. And it was sort of the next step in my environmental education path as I learned about straw bale walls and volatile organic compounds and not having you know non-VOC, non-VOC paint, et cetera. And the next thing I knew, I was helping them design native landscaping, more native landscaping right around the um, retreat center, as well as the fact that we had a living roof on top of the retreat center. So so that was the next step. And then this was right before 2000. This was 2008, uh, a little later on, when we decided it was time to get out of Silicon Valley. We realized that the economy was going to crash and we wanted to be closer to family. 
So we moved to Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And in and I, I just stumbled across another uh, urban forest nonprofit called Sacramento Tree Foundation through Craigslist, um, where they were looking for somebody to help them. And um, because of this background, I joined Sacramento Tree Foundation, where I did all sorts of projects, many of them involving the latest research on public health in trees, uh, carbon sequestration in trees, things like that. Um, so I was there for six years before coming to California Relief just one year ago. Wow. So tell us a little bit about California Relief. And, and just to preface this, I've actually worked with Cindy a little bit uh, through my own work. I work with Tree Musketeers. It's an environmental nonprofit that works with youth and youth leadership. And we are part of California Relief. Relief is actually a network of organizations. So uh, start off telling us a little bit about the mission of California Relief and then uh, a little bit of the behind the scenes stuff. So California Relief was started in 1989, and it was started by 10 organizations, including, I believe, Tree Musketeers and Sacramento Tree Foundation, where the different urban forest nonprofits decided that they needed an overarching body to help bring everybody together. So 10 organizations said, let's put this together. California Relief is the umbrella organization, or you could say association, for over 90 tree nonprofits, urban mm-hmm. tree nonprofits, people who do tree planting and tree education in California. Our mission is to empower grassroots efforts and build strategic partnerships that preserve, protect, and enhance California's urban and community forests. So we really were born of a grassroots effort. And interestingly enough, that was 1989. We were founded. A year later, the USDA Farm Bill came out that actually had funding for for urban forestry, and every state had to have a volunteer coordinator to access this funding. Mm-hmm. California Relief was chosen as the volunteer coordinator for the state of California due to California Department of Forestry and Fire Protection. So that just reinforced our role with these nonprofits. What would you say are, are the main challenges or even positive aspects of being a network of organizations as opposed to what most people are used to dealing with it, which is an individual organization. They have their own mission. And of course, they might have partnerships or they might do events with other organizations. But for the most part, they're kind of just focusing on themselves. Um, I know that a lot of people that listen to this show either work for nonprofit organizations or are wanting to found a nonprofit. And just tell us a little bit more about that. Okay, well, and I've told you what our mission is. Let me yeah. also just tell you what I think are the three things that we, the three things we concentrate on. Okay, we we concentrate on providing education to our network members and beyond. We concentrate on advocacy here at the state capitol to make sure that people are educated about why trees are important with respect to policy, and and beyond. And then we also go after grants so that we can provide pass-through grants to our network members and other people that want to plant trees in cities. So education, advocacy, and pass-through grants are are concentrations pretty much. And as far as being a network, there's there's a lot of power in being a network if you're doing advocacy because you can say, and here we have 90 network members throughout the state that are involved in this and interested in this and here they've signed on to this letter and and support this 
this bill or this funding, et cetera. The, the challenge is getting to know all 90. <laughs> our, I mean, no, seriously. And, um, we have 90 organizations and they are vastly different. Mm-hmm. Now, we range from small nonprofits that are all volunteer to one of the largest nonprofits in the, in the country, certainly in the state, which is tree people in LA. Mm-hmm. And when we talk about size of being large, um, tree nonprofits tend to be smaller than many other nonprofits, but tree people is roughly 50 to 60 people. Wow. So we're not talking huge, mm-hmm. um, at, at any, any level here. Hmm. So let's talk about trees for a second, because I, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to, to overlook those things that are, you know, kind of the, the star of the show when it comes to California relief. But uh, why are trees important? This is something that applies to everybody, whether you work for a nonprofit, whether you're a teenager or a senior citizen or, or any of those things. But I think trees play a very important part in our environmental sustainability that people don't really talk about. Um, and I know that uh, California Relief has been uh, putting together and uh, kind of doing some outreach efforts in terms of Save Our Trees and Save Our Water that um, – campaign that you guys are running, but for people who aren't educated, why are trees important? Just the basics. Trees are incredible. Um, I, and I think sometimes people have a hard time grasping how amazing trees are simply because they do so many different things in our environment and for our community. If you look at other infrastructure in a city, you know what roads do, you know what a, what a lamppost does, and they do one thing, and they do it maybe part of the day. But trees are working 24-7. They're cleaning the air. They're cooling the air. They're cleaning the water and capturing water so it doesn't run off to the ocean. They're also providing a – when they cool the air, they make it easier for people to walk, providing benefits for active transportation. Trees also help your health in ways that you didn't even know about because trees help reduce stress – and help improve concentration. There have been studies about trees on schoolyards and what they do for students and even pressured adults. They help you heal. There's um, iconic studies going back to the 1980s talking about people who look out at trees from their their hospital bed and how it helps them heal faster and also be less of a problem when they're in the hospital as far as uh, dealing with the nurse. They are simply absolutely essential to our life. And as more and more people live in cities, so just to give a couple facts, in California, 95% of the population lives in urban areas. Mm. The, the average nationwide is about 80%. So in some ways, that's a really good thing. You know, Our population of 38 million lives on 5% of the land. 95% of those people live on 5% of the land. So Therefore, we're keeping the rest of the land open for being agriculture and open for forest. Mm-hmm. But as as our population grows, we have and as we talk more about compact development, which is a big topic in California, we have to make sure that we design livable, healthy cities, cities where people can thrive, even as we're getting growing the density. So. I've had people who are in the environmental movement when I talk about this get upset with me and they say, you don't believe in compact development? I say, yes, I very much believe in compact development. But I think you're going to have to design cities a different way. If you're Mm -hmm. going to design backyards that only have six feet 
which will not support a large tree. And large trees are the ones that have the most benefits. They yeah. clean the air the best, etc. Then you're going to have to design perhaps community spaces, going back to some of the European models, where there was a, a, a small park with every neighborhood, which was communal property, instead of having everybody have a mini park in their backyard. Mm-hmm. I think we're also going to have to get really creative about what we can do on the roof and on the sides of buildings. Living roofs are just the start of that, and Chicago has done amazing work with um, with green roofs. Those are actually aspects of urban development that I never really thought about. I, I was just watching an episode of some TV show on my computer last night and how in some European countries, instead of having parking lots that are built uh, on the ground level and grow up, they're actually underground. So you drive underneath and you drive into this little garage thing and you press a button and your car goes into this little uh, kind of merry-go-round deal. It's all underground so that you can continue to utilize the ground level stuff for things like parks and public access, things like that. So it is interesting using, you know, various European models here in the United States and how we've just kind of gone about it a little bit differently. Well, it's, space has always been at a, has been more of a premium in Europe, right? It's mm-hmm. a lot smaller than the United States. So they That's haven't true. had the luxury to spread out and they've had centuries to deal with these issues. So so yeah, we can learn a lot from from other cultures. True, you're right. We 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 <laughs> we have had the luxury of a lot of space, but unfortunately, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, because of that we're taking it so much for granted. It's just like, oh, well, we'll just build out. We won't build up, we won't build down. We're just mm-hmm. going to sprawl ourselves and uh take everything up and I I don't necessarily think that that's um something that people really think about. It's something that I thought about moving from, you know, northern California to Maryland and then down to Southern California, it's very, very different to see, you know, urban environments where people are literally building straight up. Whereas where I came from the Bay Area, but north, like North, North Bay, about an hour Mm -hmm. outside of San Francisco, everything Mm -hmm. was just so sprawled out. And I, I grew up across the street from a peacock farm and there were cows everywhere and, you know, no building was over three stories high unless it was like a hotel or something. So... Yeah, and and that's the history of, you could say, consumers in in America, because Mm -hmm. we've had all these resources that we could use willy-nilly with no problem instead of having to conserve as as they did in Europe. Do you, uh, going back to trees though, do you find that it's difficult to, well, I guess this this applies for trees and, and other things, but do you find that it's difficult to convince people of the benefits of something that's not necessarily uh, tangible or the benefits are a little more seamless and and kind of integrated into our everyday lives? And if it is difficult for them to really grasp that concept, what do you do about it? Urban forestry as as a movement has only been around since the 70s. And so I believe we've made an awful lot of progress in 30 years. Um, Certainly there's been a lot more research, which has helped. The impression I get is when this movement started out, there was a lot of talk about the aesthetic benefits of trees, you know, beauty. And I totally believe in beauty as, as necessary for a good life. But the research that has been done by the U.S. Forest Service and Dr. Greg McPherson and, and um, Dr. David Nowak has helped an awful lot in explaining the benefits certainly at the economic level with respect to air pollution, uh, rainwater capture, water cleansing, and more recent research in the last 15 years about the public health benefits of trees, to my mind, is a game changer. 
because it's one thing for people to think about air pollution in kind of generic terms, you know, and that's, uh, that's the big whole environment. But when it comes to talking about what that means for your family and your family's health and whether your child has asthma or whether you have allergies, et cetera, then it comes home and people get it. And certainly as we start facing climate change issues and extreme weather events, such as the drought, such as increasing temperatures, uh, trees are going to be even more necessary for us to adapt to a changing climate and be resilient. What exciting is, is going on for California Relief moving forward, say, in the next six or 12 months? What are you guys really focusing on that you are excited about for the near future? Thank you very much for asking that question. We're extremely excited right now because, as I said, the research has helped us gain traction on why trees are important. And one of the most important developments in the last couple of years has been the greenhouse gas reduction funding that mm-hmm. California has put into place with the proceeds from their cap-and-trade auctions. Cap-and-trade, of course, is where groups that emit lots of CO2 or greenhouse gas have to pay a certain amount to offset that. And those auction proceeds are then taken by the state of California and parceled out to different programs to help mitigate greenhouse gas impacts and climate change impacts. The state is giving a small portion of that to the urban forest. And one of the things that they are emphasizing, in addition to planting trees, for the fact that we sequester carbon, we don't just avoid carbon, we sequester it mm-hmm. and we cool the air, et cetera, is the other co-benefits. And they have explicitly recognized those other co-benefits, such as what we do for neighborhoods that plant trees, the fact that we bring added value to their homes, we decrease their air conditioning costs, we filter and control stormwater. It even Having trees around even makes neighborhoods safer. So they've recognized those co-benefits. And in addition to just saying we should plant more trees, they've they've provided a framework by saying with Senate Bill 535, which talks about disadvantaged communities in California that have gotten the short end of the stick for a long time, that have that are defined by socioeconomic factors and pollution burden, that these mm-hmm. neighborhoods need to get uh, 10% of the funds need to be spent in disadvantaged communities as defined by uh, California Department of the Environmental Protection Agency. And also... 25% of the project funding should benefit disadvantaged communities. So this this aligns completely with what we do in the urban forest world because with recent technology, we know from looking at aerial maps that the neighborhoods that have the least tree canopy are often the, the least affluent neighborhoods, the underserved mm-hmm. and under-resourced neighborhoods. So we are now focusing uh, this year we have funding and 55% of it has to be spent in disadvantaged communities and 45% has to benefit disadvantaged communities. We think that number will shift a little bit over time, but the vast majority will be going to disadvantaged communities over the next few years as this funding continues to roll out. And for those who are uh, know of an organization or just interested in getting to know a little bit more about the Senate Bill uh, 535 and, and the money that's going towards these disadvantaged communities. Where can we go on your website to learn about this specific thing? 
On our website, we have blogs about it. And we also have, you can go to our website, which talks about our grants that we're putting out right now, because um, we are doing pass-through grants, smaller grants than CAL FIRE did. And the other thing is just give us a call. We're a small organization. We're four people, but um, we're happy to talk to anybody who has a question. Excellent. And, and just to put this out for the first time, so California Relief, that's California, R-E-L-E-A-F dot org, uh, is how you can get in touch with Cindy and her staff and uh, all the wonderful programs that they have going on there and some of the funding that they have available through these pass-through grants. And for those who might think, oh, I would be interested in seeing how my organization can actually join the California Relief Network, how do we do that? I assume it's just the same. You, you get an email or a call and, you know, you work that out. But pretty much, pretty much if you want it. And and we also, you know, you can you can join us as a member and we absolutely encourage that. You can also check out our grants, which are open to nonprofits. But absolutely, if you want to join California Relief, give me a call. And for those who are uh, working with environmental organizations that aren't in urban forestry specifically, can they join as well? Yes. One of the things, because we believe that this funding will be coming down over several years mm-hmm. and it's more funding than, than the urban forest world in California has ever seen. The first year, um, 15 million in grants were given out by Cal Fire. The most they'd ever wow. given out in a single year before that was, um, 7 million. So mm-hmm. we are looking for lots of different partners. Really taking care of trees in the neighborhood is a community effort. It's, Stewarding the trees once they get planted is absolutely critical. It's not just about planting. So if you're a community organization, feel free to call us. We're also looking to set up partnerships where as a community organization, you may want to plant trees, but you don't feel like you have the expertise. Well, you could partner with a a tree organization in the region who could give you advice. If you feel like you can go ahead and take on trees, or if you just want to offer help with educating the community members, again, you can partner with one of our tree organizations. Wonderful. But speaking of partnerships and, you know, continued relationships to get things done in the community, what would you consider to be some of the most integral partnerships or, or hiring of personnel that has contributed to the success of California Relief? Our integral partnerships right now are with the SB 535 Quad and Coalition, Mm -hmm. we have extended beyond the natural resources world uh, in a way that we hadn't done before. And I think that's just an avenue that we're going to be pursuing more and more, that we need to be talking to people outside the tree world because trees affect everybody and everybody has a part in making sure that their community is healthy and livable. So besides partnering with the 535 Quad, we are partnering with other nonprofits, including natural resources nonprofits, to make sure that the importance of natural resources in adapting to climate change and in developing resiliency is understood and we're all on the same page. Wonderful. Thank you so much for all of that. And I want to turn back around uh, and focus on, on you for the duration of this interview. But one last question, what do you feel like has been the most unexpected gift or benefit that you've received as, as a result of, of working in urban forestry and with California Relief over the last 12 months? 
for me to come to California Relief has just been an eye opener because I, when I was a Sacramento Tree Foundation, I knew that there were other organizations doing other things, but I didn't understand the, the scope of the different approaches. These 90 organizations all have different ways of connecting with their community through trees. For example, Tree Musketeers, the one for whom you work, that started with third graders and a Girl Scout troop that wanted to plant trees. Other groups have developed really tight partnerships with their cities and have become embedded in doing work as a partner with their cities. More groups have done things like they've adopted a certain neighborhood and that's where they plant trees. There's a whole bunch of different models for how you can connect to the community through trees. And that's really what it's all about. It's about building the community and improving the community and connecting people in the community through trees. What was, if, if anything, uh, was perhaps a, a reservation that you had or a hesitation for getting into this line of work, especially since it was not necessarily something, it was not a world that you came from. You came from computer programming and just a very different background. Did you have any hesitation about getting into the environmental sector or urban forestry at all? No. And I think that a lot of people who get into urban forest and trees at a gut level, we all appreciate trees. And whenever you start talking in a group of tree people and you say, well, tell us your favorite tree story or whatever, you start hearing lots of stories. And I, mm. I, I think that's true for the vast majority of the population, that, that we all have experiences in nature and oftentimes most of the time trees are involved because trees are a giant in nature and they do so many incredible things. Uh, as I used to say, you know, I, I used to work for a computer company and, uh, and I love my iPad and I love my iPhone. I think they're just really whiz bang, but trees do more things on more levels than any computer. And they're not even programmed. They just, you know, <laughs> they just evolved that way. They're amazing as far as what they do for your health and for um, other plants in the forest. Just as you were saying that, I was thinking the wonderful thing about trees is in the middle of a concrete jungle, just a vast, vast urban environment, you can go to a tree and it's like this, just this miniature ecosystem Nature, I mean, the insects, you know, the things that we consider to be weeds. I mean, a tree provides this very small little micro ecosystem for everything else to kind of flourish. And what is often, you know, like a four by four foot piece of, of soil, you just have this complete other world. And if you look close enough, you really can learn so much from that. It's amazing. That's true. And and to put in a plug for native trees, when when you start talking California native oaks, it's not even that small a microsystem. I mean, the hundreds of bugs, hundreds of birds and animals derive sustenance from these trees. So, That's true. So yeah. So yeah, trees are amazing. They just are. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna dive into uh, a little bit more of your your personal life here. You don't have to air your dirty laundry, but you know, uh, we're gonna get down to some some nitty gritty stuff for those of us who are kind of uh, 
more active in the environmental movement on a daily basis, such as yourself and myself, what we do at home. So what would you consider to be one of your, your long-standing habits that has to do with nature that you believe has drastically improved your life? I take long walks by the river and I started doing other things. When I, when I didn't live in Sacramento where we have these great rivers, I used to take my kids to the open spaces in um, the Bay Area and follow the trails. And there we had creeks. We didn't have rivers. But mm-hmm. being by trees and water has always been something that I do to feel better, uh, to clear my head. And um, that's why I love Sacramento. We've got two rivers and incredible trees. And what is one new habit that you're cultivating in your in your life right now? I have to confess that for the first time I bought a composter. <laughs> and and I also confess it was my daughter was talking to me about it and she's doing environmental stuff as well. But she said, you can compost. I said, you know, I live in this really small house now. And she said, yeah, well, they have this tumbler composter you can do. It's like, OK, all right. So that's what I'm doing. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm hoping to um, get in touch with an acquaintance of mine that teaches classes on composting. So hopefully in about uh, spring 2016, we're actually going to have an online workshop or webinar on the ins and outs and the do's and don'ts of composting. So stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> you know, I, I, I confess that, that we, we sort of did it together and I was busy with work and I came home and I looked in the composter and I said, yeah, I guess it makes sense that there's those white squiggly things in there that it's all part of the decomposition process. So that's part of nature, right? Yep. Dust. Well, you know, it's uh, it's interesting because at least for the old fashioned, you know, before we had all these newfangled tumblers and things like that, where you just had to stick a shovel yep. in and, you know, turn it over. You really do kill a couple composting piles before you really get the hang of it. It's not easy to do. Well, I, 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 yeah, I, I'll agree to that because I keep looking and thinking, is it done yet? <laughs> is it done yet? How much do I have to keep t- tumbling this? Oh, man. Well, speaking of uh, purchases for, for things like that, what is one purchase that you've made in the last six months for $100 or less that has greatly impacted your life? I think the composter was close to $100. but. Yeah. What's greatly impacted my life has got more to do with who I talk to and mm-hmm. and the changes that we make based on those things. Speaking of people that you work with, as opposed to, you know, the, the specific work that you're doing in your organization, but the people that you work with having a great impact on your life, tell us a little bit more about that. Uh, I would say that this is the the part of my job I love the most is that I get to work with all different types of people and all, all people who care so much that that's the thing right there. Um, the comp- my computer organization, when I worked for a computer company was great, but working in the nonprofit world and people who care so much, I can mention network members between Claire Robinson at Amigos de los Rios, who is mm-hmm. trying to um, green up, this necklace, she's calling it the, the emerald necklace in Southern California on the east side of LA County to working with Audubon as one of our partners in our natural resources coalition, Audubon, California, and working with 
our new board member, Jose Gonzalez of Latino Outdoors, who's helping us mm-hmm. with making sure that the environmental movement becomes more inclusive and diverse as we go through time, because historically it has not been inclusive or diverse. And our network members, such as Tree People, who has helped us with talking about drought. They've been on the front edge of drought. They've been doing work around it for decades because Andy Lipkiss at Tree People had gone to Australia in the 70s or 80s, I think, and seen how you can live with less water or you can capture your rainwater and preserve water that way instead of letting it run out to the to the ocean. Mm-hmm. Um, the other partner is uh, Catherine Martineau, who's the executive director of Canopy, who called me earlier this year and said, Cindy, we have to talk more about drought. We have to activate the network around drought because we're all approaching it in different ways. And that led to the partnership with uh, Save Our Water. Mm-hmm. Save Our Water is the uh, is actually another partnership. I love all these partnerships in California. Uh, Save Our Water is a partnership between the California Department of Water Resources and Aqua, which is the Association of California Water Agencies. I called them up and I said, well, can we talk about trees? And they said, yes, absolutely. I said, you know, I know you have a Save Our Water campaign, but we need to save our water and our trees. And they were on board right away mm-hmm. because people were doing a great job turning off the water to their lawns based on Governor Brown's um, executive order in April. But they completely forgot that they had to keep watering their trees once or twice a month to make sure that they survived. So we have these incredible partnerships in lots of places, with public health organizations, with planning organizations, and we just have to do more. Excellent. And you're, I mean, you're just like name dropping and organization dropping. I mean, all of these are are wonderful uh, organizations and uh, several of these people I had the wonderful opportunity to meet at the California Relief Conference earlier this year. Other than your website, California Relief, and there is a a tab there where uh, it's the Relief Network and you can go through y- your directory that's available online, all of these 90 organizations that you've been mentioning. Are there any other online resources that if people are relatively new to this conversation where they can go to learn or discuss these things with other people or just read about the latest news? Do you have any online resources that you can can offer to our listeners? If you want to understand about trees and public health, the one that I would recommend that makes it all way more digestible, and I I think everybody needs to understand this part of it, but uh, Dr. Kathy Wolf of the University of Washington, and she also works for the U.S. Forest Service, she put together a website called Green Cities Good Health. And actually to get to that website, just Google Green Cities Good Health. I think the true URL is something about departments.washington.edu. It's, it's too, it's too complicated. So just put in green cities, good health. And Kathy has worked with her, um, grad students to put together synopses of the research on why trees are good for our health. So this is an easy way to learn more about why trees are absolutely essential to the health of your communities, your family and your cities. That's one of them. The other one, the U.S. Forest Service, if you put in U.S. Forest Service and urban forestry, you'll also come up with research, but that's much more heavy duty. Mm-hmm. And I think, especially if you're 
well, if you're in California and you go to our website, you can put in your zip code and see who are the nonprofits in your neighborhood if you want to be if you want to get active locally. And I think mm-hmm. that's the other thing I would like to encourage everybody. You know, tree planting is one of the easiest things you can do to help save the earth. And it really is important. So be sure to figure out how you can plant more trees as a community member, not just in your own yard. The Alliance for Community Trees is the nationwide version of California Relief. So they are part, they are now part of the Arbor Day Foundation. But I think if you put in Alliance for Community Trees, you will still go to their website, which is www.actrees.org. Yes. Yeah. They, they do still have their website up. And for, uh, you guys that are listening right now, you don't necessarily, if you have a pen and paper, great, but you can always go back to asustainablemind.com and, uh, click through to the show notes page for this episode. And I'll have everything linked up, every single organization that Cindy's mentioning right now and uh, some of these other resources. Also, what I'd like to do uh, is provide a PDF for the benefits of trees. You mentioned some here uh, earlier in the interview, but there are so many more that people just don't really think about. And also, we're going to have a downloadable PDF on that site as well. If you're interested in the PDF, California Needs Urban Forests, which is also a great resource for learning about urban forests in general, please send the word download15 to the number 323-536-1120, and I'll send you the link. So click through the, to the website. Uh, everything will be linked up there. You don't have to worry about like memorizing things or scribbling them down. Um, that's always there as a resource. So, um, Cindy, do you have any books that you would suggest for people who want to – uh, work on their mindset a little bit to get a little more uh, earth conscious in their day-to-day lifestyle. I believe that there are tons of books out there. And some of the old books, some of the kind of foundational books were the ones that were created in California a long time ago. One of them was Andy Lipkiss or Tree People's book, Andy and Katie Lipkiss's book, The Simple Act of Planting a Tree, Healing Your Neighborhood, Your City, and Your World. So that's that's an old book but that's a a basic book on how to do this type of work. I think there's another book out called Tree Keepers, which talks about some of the leaders in other parts of the country. I know Shannon Ramsey is highlighted in that book, and she works in Iowa for Trees Forever. These are to give you examples of other people leading in in their neighborhoods. And of course, the the iconic book is Richard Louvre, um, which talks about the importance of getting children out into nature. Last Child in the Woods. Yes. So um, I find that um, I, I do a lot more just reading online. Articles in the New York Times, you'll find lots of articles about nature and health, actually, as you go through these books, the Atlantic Cities online. The social media, I would highly recommend uh, tying into California Relief's social media because the urban forest groups are constantly sharing new research that way. And you'll have a link for that as well, I suspect. That would be good. Twitter and Facebook. Yes. Yes, I will. 
yeah, so <laughs> you're one of the few organizations that your your Twitter and your Facebook are actually spelled completely the same. Most people aren't that lucky. But yes, yeah, so so just to replug the website, California Relief R E L E A F dot org is uh, the website. And then for both Twitter and Facebook, it's Cal Relief. So C A L R E L E A F. So I definitely encourage everyone to go follow and friend those pages. Um, California Relief is always putting out amazing links. They also spit out some awesome news for you guys to keep abreast of, especially if you live here in California with the bills that are coming through, any announcements from the governor, and of course, drought news as always. So before we go... Cindy, I wanted to ask if you had any words or parting pieces of guidance to give sustainable minds out there. It's really not that hard to take the first step. There's lots of easy ways to get into this. Trees are one of the easiest, and we have found that it's one of the most enjoyable to go out and plant trees with your community. And then hopefully, if the trees are in your neighborhood, you'll go out with your community and take care of those trees on a regular basis for several years to make sure that they're established. And the only other thing I'd say is persistence. Just keep keep on doing it. Keep on making new changes. Keep on looking for new ways to do things. These are going to be challenging times as we deal with the drought, as we deal with extreme weather events, but just keep on doing it. Excellent. Thank you so much, Cindy, for taking the time to speak with us this morning and uh, for offering your wisdom and your background and and just your your worldview on on these issues and giving us a little bit of a peek behind the curtain as to what it's like to run a nonprofit network as opposed to a single organization that has individual partnerships here and there. But you guys kind of have both. You have the net network aspects and then uh, the partnerships that you're creating, not only with individual organizations, but with governmental entities and agencies as well. So it's actually a really unique perspective that you've just given us. And I really want uh, to say thank you and that we appreciate that. Thank you very much. You've been listening to a sustainable mind podcast to hear more interviews, just like this one, please subscribe on iTunes or visit a Thanks for listening and see you next time. Thank you.